As you know, if you've been around for a good season, uh, we were teaching for a while on Sunday mornings on the subject of the love of God. Uh, then we uh, taught on the process of faith for a number of uh, weeks and uh, taught about the uh, process of faith. And today we want to put uh, the two together, faith and love, and uh, the power of your faith in God and the power of the love of God. Our primary emphasis today is faith in the love of God. Considering the power of love in your life and faith in that love. So let's look at verse uh, 16 of 1 John chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to, uh, God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, going back to the first part of the verse, and we have known and what? Believed. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Believing in the love of God, faith in the love of God. We know that faith works, according to the Apostle Paul's writings, faith works by love. So in this verse, we see that it is essential that we believe in that love, believe in the love of God. So it says that we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Well, consider uh, the different phases of God's love. First of all, number one, the love of God for you. In other words, the love of God was for you before he expressed it to you. God had love for humanity. God loved us. And then he expressed it to us. Now, uh, the love of God for you was expressed in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Well, consider the sequence here. God so loved the world, then he gave. But he loved you and loved the world before he gave. He loved the world. He loved humanity because God created humanity. God created Adam and Eve, and of course, sin invaded the human race. But Adam's sin and sin affected the whole human race, and death came as a result, spiritual death and physical death. And we have all kinds of problems in our world as a result of Adam's sin. But because God loved us and had love for us, then he followed through with action. Uh, in other words, God teaches us to love, doesn't he? By his own example. And so he tells us uh, in the scripture as well that we are not to love in word, but in deed and in truth. Not meaning that you don't love by your words, but you don't just speak love, you act on love. So then, he says to us, don't love in word, but in deed and in truth. Or we could say, don't love in word only, but in deed and in truth. So it's not just lip service or just saying I love you, but acting on that love. So God had love for us, but that love motivated him to action. That love motivated him to act in the love of God. And so therefore, he sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we might have, by believing, by believing in him, would have everlasting life. So everlasting life comes by believing. 
And it actually comes by believing in the love of God that he had for you, that he expressed then to you, right? So first of all, the love of God for you, understanding God's love for us. And uh, love is essential. In our world today, there's so many things that are essential and non-essential. Well, this is not a non-essential. Love, the love of God, is an essential element in every human being's life. Now, there are a lot of people in our world that are starving for love, have no consciousness or an awareness of God's love for them. They don't understand God's love. And in many cases, some Christians don't understand so much of God's love. But we are growing in our knowledge, aren't we? We're growing in our knowledge of the love of God. And so, first of all, understanding the love of God that he had for us. But secondly, the love of God toward us. The love of God toward us is expressed in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in other words, he didn't uh, say you have to have everything in order. You have to have everything uh, the way it should be in order for me to love you. No, God so loved the world. Now think about the condition of the world. Everybody in the world was a sinner. Right? So the condition of the world is that they're sinners. In this case, he said, God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when you become a Christian, you don't want to now uh, forget that God loves sinners. He loved you. In fact, you need to remember it more than anybody. Right? That God loved you when you were yet a sinner. When you were a sinner, God so loved you that he gave his son, and he sent his son, and Christ died for you while you were a sinner. In 2 Corinthians, it says that this way, God was in Christ. And I'm going to give it to you in the Amplified Bible. God was in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to himself. So God reconciled the world when they needed to be reconciled. So you don't wait for, uh, you know, God didn't wait for us to get things in order in order for us to be reconciled. If that were the case, he wouldn't need to die. Jesus didn't need to die. But Jesus died because we needed a reconciliation. And we needed God to love us that much. All right, so God's love is expressed to people, is acted upon toward people uh, that are sinners. So if God's love is of that nature, then the love of God in in us is of that nature. So God's love, understanding God's love toward us while we were still sinners. Number three... Is God's love in you? Understanding God's love in you. Uh, John chapter 17 verse 26 says, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. 
The love wherewith you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So then the love of God not only is for you, the love of God is toward you and acted upon, expressed in action. But now he takes it to the other uh, phase and he says, now this love that I have for Jesus or God has for Jesus, he says, now this love is in you. And he said, even more than that, I'm in you. So understanding God's love for us, God's love to us, and God's love in us. Now, it is the same kind of love God has in him. In fact, it's the same quality of love. It is God's love itself. So it's not a separate love that God has. It is the love of God. Now then... Number four is God's love through you. John 15 and 12 says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, this love is to be expressed in the same way that God has expressed it toward us. He says that this is his commandment that we love one another as or in the same way that he has loved us. That's a tall order, isn't it? But possible, not only possible, you can do it. You know, so now we're back in verse 16. We're in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. Verse 16 says it again. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. We have known and we have experienced it in our spiritual knowledge and Revelation, we have personal experience of this love, and we have believed in this love. Well, let's say, what, are we, what kind of love have we believed in? We've believed in a love that God had for us, so much so that he acted upon it and expressed it toward us or to us, so much so that he sent his son to die in our place uh, when we were unlovely or sinners, And he loved us so much, this love was so motivated toward us that he put that love in us. And now he's given us the ability to have that love flow through us so that we can love one another. Now, this love of God, this understanding or believing in the love of God, faith in the love of God, is important because if you don't believe that he loves you, a lot of things you could think about God. Well, if you didn't believe in the love that God had towards you or in redemption, how he expressed that love towards you, you could accept a lot of things uh, that are certainly not an expression of the love of God. I mean, consider Jesus. We just recently... Uh, talked about that. Consider him, Jesus, our, the apostle and high priest of our profession. When you're considering Jesus, you're considering all that he's done for you. Everything that Jesus Christ has done for you, you're considering redemption. Right? So when you consider the, the love of God towards you, you're considering all of redemption. You're considering everything Jesus has done in your uh, place or in your stead or as your substitute. And you're considering... Uh, the results of that redemption and all the promises of God that are now promised to you as a result. 
So you believe in that kind of love that has been expressed toward you. But now you believe in this love of God in you. In other words, now I believe the love of God is literally inside of me. It's my nature to love. So then he says that you express, you, you believe in the love of God. You known and believed in it. So you believe in this love of God that is to flow through you. In other words, when you understand God, uh, understand God's nature. God is creative in his nature. He is endless in his person or in his being. If you consider uh, the book of Revelation, the end of the, end of the book of Revelation, talking about uh, the throne of God and of the Lamb of God, and it says that there is a river that flows out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb of God. Wow. And it's a literal river that flows in heaven. It's a literal river of life that is in heaven. And on either side of the river, there's trees that bear 12 manner of fruit, one for each month. I mean, you know, no grafting process has ever produced it. So here God has this river of life flowing out of him. He's creative in his nature, in his being, in his person. He's endless and constantly flows out because he's full of life. And life means that it's always giving. Now, if you visit Israel, you visit Israel, and you one of the sites that we go to in Israel is uh, the Dead Sea. It's been called the Dead Sea for a long time. In the Bible, it's the Dead Sea. Today, it's the Dead Sea. It's a Dead Sea because it has no outlet. The water flows in, but it stops. So there's no fish, there's no life. There's a lot of minerals in the sea, deposits there, but it's dead. No life, no fish can live there. So if it's not flowing, it's dead. But now God has created us to not only receive the love of God, believe in it and receive it, but to have it in us and then have it flow through us. For example, in John chapter 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, Jesus uh, said that if you believe on him, that you would have a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There would be a well of life on the inside of you. And it's alive. It's springing up. It's, it's living. Well, then in John chapter 7, he was talking about eternal life or receiving eternal life in that chapter. But in John chapter 7, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, he stood and he cried and he said, He that believes on me out of his belly or out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So not only could you have a well of life on the inside of you, you could have a river of this stuff. So it's very like, uh, very much alike. There's a river that's flowing in heaven and now this river can flow in your spirit. Spiritually, you can have this experience. You can have this life flowing through you. So you have the love of God by nature. When you get born again, you accept Jesus. You have God's love on the inside of you, which 
you still have to deal with your mind and your, mind, your thoughts and so forth. But you have God's love dwelling on the inside of you. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a river of this love on the inside of you. And the love of God, according to Romans 5 and 5, is shed abroad or poured forth into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So now you've got the Holy Spirit through eternal life. You've got by the Holy Spirit, you received eternal life. You've got the love of God by nature, according to 1 Peter. Well, then... You've got the Holy Spirit on top of that, and he helps you draw on this life that is in heaven and let that life flow in you and through you, or let that love flow in you and through you. So God created you as a conduit, if you will, but not just a pipe, a person. Are you with me? So God's love flows through your personality. It flows through your person, through your being, through who you are. All right, so God created you as a person who has the capacity to let this love flow through you. So believing in each phase of this love or each part of this love is important. Believe that this love can flow through you so that there's less struggle in receiving God's love and giving God's love. All right, let's look back at 1 John again. We're in verse 16 still. In verse 16, 1 John, it says, And we have known and believed the love of, that God hath to us or toward us. God is love. So the description of God is that he is love. It's not just something, something he carries around in his pocket. That's who he is. But it's not just something you carry around in your pocket, so to speak. It's it becomes your nature. It becomes who you are. All right, so God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So God is love. It's his nature, and now he that dwells in love dwells in God. So if you're dwelling in love, you're dwelling in God, and it says in God in him. In other words, you have come into this spiritual union with God, and God dwells in you. And if God dwells in you, then love dwells in you. Or you could flip it around and say, if love dwells in you, then God dwells in you. So this love of God, we just kind of gave you a description somewhat of the love of God, and there's many scriptures we could look at and we have looked at in the past regarding the love of God. So then we could consider 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and the description of God's love and how this love is communicated. So I exhort people to listen to, my wife regularly listens to love actually every morning, the love chapter and King James sometimes, but in the Message Bible, she'll listen to it on, uh, you know, on the uh, iPad. And so, listening to or meditating upon helps in the development process. One of the things that we did on uh, Sunday evenings and also Wednesday evening, uh, we talked about how to develop the love of God in you or how to be perfected in this love. And it is a process, and there are some things that you can do. And so we taught that series, and I'm not going to go through that right now. But one of the things is that you meditate on the love of God. So he says, now this love of God, God's love, is not a separate love from God. It is his love because God dwells in you, and his love dwells in you. And so it's the very love of God himself. 
It flows right out of God, flows into you, just like that river flows right out of God and flows into you. But it not only flows to you and in you, it flows through you. All right, so what, what is believing in? Well, first, it's not just, oh, I heard about this and I believe it. No, it's really being convinced. Believing in that love of God that he had to you, toward you, for you, put in you, and now will flow through you. Believing in that kind of love that God had. And loving people that are not always lovely. Loving people that are not always doing what would be right. That's the kind of love God had for us, isn't it? So he's, he's saying that we have this love for sinners. We have this love for people who are, you know, struggling in their life. You know, because a lot of people, even though they got saved, they got born again. But, you know, God still loves them if they're struggling in their, uh, in their walk with God. How many can say amen? How many are glad he loved you when you struggled? Or you were challenged in your life, and uh, you didn't seem like you were doing so well, but God still loved you and supported you and encouraged you. Uh, how many want some Christians around you like that that will believe in you, right? And love believes the best of every person. It believes in people when they are not at their best. And it believes in people when they're at their worst. That's the way God's love is. And so God keeps believing in you. He believes in you because he knows what he put in you. He knows what's in you. He just wants you to know. All right? So he knows the potential that you have. He knows the power that you have. He knows the nature that you have. He knows the life of God is inside of you. He knows the love of God's inside of you. He's trying to convince us and get us to come to that knowledge and understanding so that we can then believe in it as well. Have faith in the love of God. So what happens when you have faith in the love of God? Let's go to verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Herein, or by knowing that you're dwelling in God and God's dwelling in you, and this love of God is dwelling in you, herein is our love made perfect. Or in God is our love made perfect. Or in believing in the love of God that is in you and towards you and for you and will flow through you, believing in that kind of love. If you're believing in that love, then you are made perfect in the love of God. And when you're perfected in this love of God, something's going to happen. You're going to have boldness. He said, in the day of judgment. In other words, when we stand before God, we will have assurance and confidence and boldness, knowing that it wasn't anything that we did. It was the blood of Jesus that washed us clean, and the life of God came into our heart and made us right with God. And we have confidence and assurance that we're not, you know, shaken and fearful, and we're afraid we're not going to make it in. No, we, we're confident. We will have boldness even in the day of judgment, which is powerful. That you have confidence. You actually are going to get into heaven. And you're going to be rewarded for your obedience. All right, then he says the next phrase of the verse. Because as he is. So are we in this world. So he didn't say, as he is, so are we when we get to heaven. No, he says, because as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, right now, we are as he is. 
That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, not as he will become. He didn't have to become. He already is. God doesn't have to progress in his spiritual growth. And one day he will be spiritual. No. One day he will be love. No, God is love. Because as he is. Well, if you connect that back to verse 16, because as he is what? God is love. Because as he is love, so are we love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So as he is love, so are we love. Where? In this world. So we're not waiting to get to heaven to love our brother. We're not waiting to get to heaven to love our sister. We're not waiting to love people who are not behaving well. When we get to heaven, we'll be able to do that. No, when you're living right here, right now, you can do that. All right, so he said that as he is, so are we. As he is love, so are we love in this world. Verse 18. One of the results of this is verse 18. There is no fear in love. Okay, God is love, and there is no fear in love. So if there's fear, there's an absence of love. Or an absence of believing in love. Or an absence of knowing the love of God and believing in the love of God. All right, so he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Perfect love. So being perfected in love, man, verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. So that is a possibility that you could actually be perfected in love. And there's other verses as well that we have covered in our uh, previous series. Uh, So you can be perfected in this love. And he said, perfect love does this. It casts out fear. So I think probably all of us could recognize that uh, certain seasons or times that uh, we need a little more perfecting. Because we're experiencing fear and we're uh, we're having to resist fear. And uh, certainly you're always going to have to resist, right? But if you're perfected in love, then you're able to evict fear. Fear is devilish. Uh, we could look at, uh, which we won't do probably today, but uh, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 says, God has not given us the what? Spirit of fear. So according to that verse, fear could be connected to a spirit, the spirit of fear. There is a spirit of fear that tries to attack your soul, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions. That must be resisted. The spirit of fear must be resisted. He says, in this case, that perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Or we could use uh, an eviction notice as an example. In other words, if someone is being evicted from their home, I trust that's not been the case for any of you. But if they're being evicted, then they put a notice uh, and they serve notice and let you know that you got to get out. And that note on your door, that delivery says you got to get out. Well, you have to serve notice on the devil because the devil is like a squatter, you know. He's like uh, somebody who will just come in and just take over your house. 
And he'll just live in your living room. And he'll sleep in your bed. And he'll go into your bathroom. And, and everywhere he goes, he makes a mess. And everything he does is about destruction. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So then, understanding that fear is a spirit and the spirit of fear must be resisted, then uh, when fear comes, faith and love must arise. Believing in the love of God, the love of God for you, the love of God towards you, the love of God in you, and the love of God through you. And there is no fear in love. So the closer we get to love and the closer we get to God and the more we're abiding in God, the less fear is going to be able to access. But anyone and everyone has experienced fear. Everyone has experienced this, this thing called fear that comes against their mind, their thoughts, their emotions, their reasoning, their imaginations. And it has to be resisted. It cannot be like, okay, well, I'm just going to succumb to it. Because if you do, the devil just takes it further and, go, uh, and takes you deeper and takes you down further. Because uh, he, he is not satisfied with just you. Uh, having a bad day no he's not satisfied with that he's only satisfied with steal kill and destroy that's that's his mode of operation so that's where he's headed that's what he wants to do so he utilizes your thought life or uh, tr tries to interject thoughts into your mind right imaginations pictures images and he wants to cause you to be afraid because that's his access point. So he uses fear to get into your life. So he wants to put fear in your mind, fearful thoughts, fearful, fearful imaginations, and, and, and he throws those things at you. And then he's going to attack you even further because he's out to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So... Fear must be resisted. It cannot be just allowed. Well, you know, I know you moved into the house and you really weren't welcomed and you didn't ask if you could come, but you just happened while I was away, I wasn't paying attention, you just snuck in the door and you set up a room in the house so you can stay. No, you don't let people do that. No, you evict them. You get them out of the house. It's your house. Your body is your house. Your body is God's house. Your body is the temple of God. Your body is God's house. Right? So you have to evict the devil out of the house. Say, devil, you can't be in my house. You can't live in this body. You can't live in my mind. You have to cast down imaginations. 2 Corinthians 10. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. and Bring into captivity every thought. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So you have to have a knowledge of God in order to cast down imaginations. In other words, the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth is essential for you to be able to resist fear in your life. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out or evicts fear. Because fear has what? Torment. Fear is tormenting. Thoughts, imaginations. The devil wants to torment God's people. 
He will put thoughts in your mind or put imaginations in your mind and, and try to get you to reason through all of the stuff and the things that you may be dealing with. And then he adds to and, and he, do, he doesn't uh, do anything but uh, add negative stuff to your life, right? He's going to lie to you and put fear in your mind. And so what you got to do is say, no, I resist the devil. The scripture says, submit therefore to God and what? Resist the devil and he will then what? Flee from you. All right, so perfect love evicts fear, casts fear out because fear has torment. Anything that just keeps hitting your mind over and over again that is tormenting, you need to know that's fear and that's the devil. Anything that is constantly badgering your mind, the devil is trying to put fear on you to control you. So that he can destroy you. He can hinder you. He can stop you. Right. So God's not giving you the spirit of fear. So we know it didn't come from God. So we've got to resist it. And it is an act of faith. Believing in the love of God. Believing in the love of God that has the power to evict fear. And we will not allow the devil to, to torment our minds. Not torment our lives, torment our bodies, torment our families. Jesus Christ is Lord. I said, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord, and He alone is Lord, and Satan is under your feet. So, believing in the love of God, believing in the power of the love of God for you, believing in the love of God towards you, believing in the love of God in you, and the love of God, there is no fear in love. So the more conscious we are of the love of God, the less conscious we are of fear. Now, this is sometimes a fight of faith, but you can win. A fight of faith is a fight that you win. A fight of faith is not a losing battle. You're not on the losing end. You're on the winning end because you're on God's side. And God's love has the power to evict or cast out fear. When fear comes knocking at your door, don't even give him access, much less set up a house, a room in the house. Right? The best is to shut the door tight anytime he knocks. Keep it locked. And do what Ephesians chapter 4 says, neither give place to the devil. But if he did get place, we are going to evict. Hallelujah. If he did get any place, if he did slither in, if he did sneak in, if he did crawl in the window, whatever way he got in, we are going to evict Fear from our lives. Fear has no place. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give any place to fear. But faith and love, hallelujah, is what you're going to give place to. Amen.